Hello, friend. Welcome back to Adrenaline Realms Thriller Channel. I am your host, as always, Neil Helligers. So glad that you're back. And this is the first episode of our next show together. And before we get right to it, um, just to recap, so far together, we have been to the Bermuda Triangle, we have been to the Frigid North, we've been to the California coast, and we even took a quick trip into a parallel universe. And so uh, here at Realm and with Adrenaline, what we're really trying to do is get at what makes a thriller, what ties all these really different places together. And in Low Life, which is written by Steve Marcarelli and Billy Lawler, we are going to a truly harrowing destination the Florida swamps. I know, I know, it's going to be okay. However, I should also say that uh, this is voiced by Nick Sullivan and Eleanor Caudill, and they are playing, respectively, a chupacabra exterminator, yes, you did hear me correctly, and a marine biology student, and it just gets weirder from there. So uh, take a listen to the episode. I'll be here when you're done, and um, I have a theory that ties everything together. So enjoy. This is Low Life, episode one. No way, hombre. Brad Marlin stepped out of his rusty Subaru Brat and into the driveway of a Spanish-style hacienda. You'll never pass it. His partner, Eduardo Ekmendia, slammed the passenger door shut and cracked his knuckles. There's no lie detector test, he said. Marlin reached under the driver's seat and grabbed an old machete. He slid it into the leather sheath hanging from his belt. You bet your ass there is. And that needle's gonna shake like an earthquake when they get a load of you. He walked to the back of the vehicle. Across the rear window of the camper shell, sun-bleached decals spelled out Critter County Pest Control. Marlin popped the latch. The truck bed was a gnarl of hoses, cases, and exotic gear. I can pass it, Eduardo said. You passed it? That was like 20 years ago. They let anyone on the force back then. These days, they ask all sorts of personal questions. About what? Marlin lifted his Wayfarer sunglasses to the top of his head. He squinted in the blazing Fort Lauderdale sun. You remember my buddy Deke the Freak? Ponytail? He runs those airboat tours? Well, Deke took the police exam a few years ago before he grew his hair out. Did well enough on the written part. Charmed his way through the interview, aced the field test. But then they take him into a room where they strap him onto a polygraph machine. First, they ask about the usual stuff, shoplifting, unpaid parking tickets. But then they start grilling him about his sex life. Eduardo reached for a big black case. Leave the traps, Marlin told him. Clients said they already have it cornered. Sounds like it's a handful. Marlin grabbed a carry-all of spray bottles full of neon-colored liquids. So, they start asking all these questions. Are you into role-play? Any kinky fantasies? Have you ever seen a porno? Now, Deke knows the cops don't hire pervs, so he just keeps answering nope to every question. He can hear that little meter thingy scratching right off the charts, but he just keeps repeating nope, 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 nope. Eduardo pulled out a super soaker topped with a mag light. Marlin shook his head. Let's stick with large Marge. She's light, but I'll refill her tomorrow. Eduardo put the squirt gun back and yanked at a large rolling tank with hoses sticking out at every angle. It looked like a shop vac fucked an octopus. 
So, the cops see Deke sweating. Did I mention there's a lady cop there too? She's staring at him like she's Judge Judy or some shit. And Deke can't take it anymore. He breaks down, starts crying. Seriously? I shit you not, literally crying. Then he spills it. Tells them about the small fortune he spent paying dominatrixes to roll him up in blankets and step on him in high heels. Jesus, what a weirdo. Don't knock until you try it. Anyway, the cops broke him, cracked him wide open. This grown man crying about stilettos and shag carpeting on his police exam. Did they hire him? Of course they didn't hire him, not after that display. Eduardo shook his head. I'll be okay. I'm not a freak. You can be a freak. I'm a freak. We're all freaks, Marlin said, slamming the hat shut. Just don't lie about it. Realm presents Low Life, Episode 1. Mr. Garrity, a geezer in a faded floral shirt and a terrible toupee, led Marlin, Eduardo, and their rolling pump unit down the hallway of a home decorated in a QVC southwestern motif. Bastard was making an awful racket this morning, but it seems to have quieted down, the old man said. If it turns out he already croaked, I'm not paying you. He's probably just napping, Marlin told him. Eduardo noticed a crooked picture frame in the hallway. A faded photo of a young man in an army uniform standing next to a pretty girl. He reached up to straighten it. Don't you touch that, yelled a blue-haired woman in an electric wheelchair. Sorry, Eduardo said. Marlin nodded to her. Afternoon, ma'am. She pointed at Marlin's caddy of cleaning supplies. Are you going to kill this thing or wash its hair? Oh, these? This work can get pretty messy, so we've started offering a full cleanup service. You won't get that personal touch from the big franchise guys. Garrity pointed at a door off the kitchen. It's inside the laundry room. Any idea how the sucker got past your sensors? Marlin asked. Garrity jerked a thumb at his wife. Her goddamn chair knocked into the junction box. The lights were out for about an hour. The thing chewed its way right through the screen door. Do you fix doors? Mrs. Garrity asked. Marlin sighed. Not yet, but we're thinking about it. A squeal erupted from the laundry room, followed by a frantic scratching sound. Sounds like he's awake, Marlin said. Eduardo flicked the toggle switch on a large lantern mounted to the spray gun. It started to hum. What's that? Mr. Garrity asked. Mercury vapor. It's our version of a stun gun. And what's in the tank? Christ, the old timers asked so many questions. Marlin grabbed the spray gun from Eduardo and connected the hose. You don't want to know. Marlin cracked the door open and peeked inside. Creased light shone through Venetian blinds across an overturned laundry basket. No sign of the pest. He turned to Eduardo. I'm going in. Just keep the juice coming. Marlin stepped into the laundry room, closing the door behind him as much as the hose would allow. He tiptoed across the room and shut the blinds, then took a deep breath in the sudden darkness. All right, pal, where are you? He whispered. 
The room was small, not a lot of hiding places. Near the window stood a shelving unit with a six-inch gap between the bottom shelf and the floor. Perfect for a sucker. Marlin squatted down. He hated squatting. In high school, he'd thought he was going to be the next Gary Carter, but his knees couldn't take the beating. Marlin groaned and realized this was the sort of thing he should have Eduardo do. He bent down further. Bingo. Two glowing red eyes peered out from under the unit. Marlin rolled over so he was lying on his side and quietly aimed the spray gun. The eyes blinked. Marlin pressed the lantern's on button. Nothing happened. Shit. He gently smacked the flashlight with his wrist. Still nothing. He could have sworn he changed the batteries. The creature lunged out at Marlin, slashing at his cheek and knocking his sunglasses to the floor. Marlin mashed the button on the lantern. A blinding beam of white-hot light erupted from the top of his spray gun. The beast jumped at him again, but Marlin caught it in midair with the light beam. It squealed and fell to the floor. It was a chupacabra, about the size of a bulldog, with mangy white fur and bright red eyes. It had sharp quills down its spine and a massive horse-like snout overstocked with razor-sharp teeth. Marlin blasted the animal with an acidic mix. The creature thrashed and burned, dissolving into a sizzling ooze of hair and flesh. Marlin climbed to his feet and opened the door. The Garrities craned their necks at the steaming mess in their laundry room. They shielded their noses as the funk hit them. Marlin grabbed a pair of spray bottles and held them up. Citrus or pine scented? It all started seven years ago. Not a damned soul believed it at first. The earliest recorded sighting came from a group of plucky 10-year-olds down in Coral Bay. They called the cops about a monster they'd seen chasing seagulls. Sure, there's a monster, the dispatcher told them, before launching into a lecture about staying off the emergency line. Similar calls began to trickle in to animal control centers across South Florida. Reports of mangy rodents, weird-ass tiny dogs, angry porcupines, deformed dingoes, and spiky cats went largely ignored. Occasionally, some poor rookie would be assigned to actually investigate a complaint, but whatever they were supposed to find was always long gone by the time they arrived on the scene. But then came an uptick in pet maulings. Weird scratches on palm trees. A teenage boy uploaded a blurry YouTube video of a bizarre animal running around his backyard. It went viral. Late-night hosts made jokes about the weekly world news-style monsters seemingly stalking Florida. Then, one of them killed a four-year-old girl in Dania Beach. The thing crawled through a window and ripped open her neck. She was an animal lover, her father told the TV crew. She probably tried to pet it. He said he heard his daughter's screams and ran into her room, shotgun in hand. Blam, blam, the father told the reporter. I blasted that sucker's head clean off. The scientists who examined the animal's headless corpse were baffled. 
there was no taxonomy to describe these horrible beasts. It was undeniable. Strange things were afoot in South Florida. More sightings. More deaths. A few live ones were trapped. More scientists. More studies. We believe that what we have here, said the nervous zoologist at the press conference, are chupacabras. Every single reporter's hand shot up in unison. The zoologist adjusted her glasses and cleared her throat. Yes, the legendary creatures from folklore, they're real. They're here in Florida, and they're a problem. The chupacabras multiplied at an unprecedented rate. It became an infestation. People panicked. A lot of them moved away. But this was Florida. Folks were stubborn. They loved the weather, the food, the easy access to prescription drugs, the even easier access to illegal drugs. They were staying put. So, a bunch of people died. Ditto a ton of cats, dogs, goats, rats, snakes, and birds. Chupacabras didn't discriminate. As long as it was meat, they'd eat it. Before long, the scientists started learning how to deal with them. Chupacabras mostly came out at night. They hated bright artificial light. There were certain chemical mixtures they couldn't stand. The tide began to turn. Fewer deaths. People returned home. Every house had security lights and sensors installed. Business boomed for exterminators. The chupacabra population was cut way down. They learned to fear humans, and humans learned to get used to them. The suckers never spread much past Daytona Beach and Ocala. For some reason, they struggled to survive much farther north. Within 18 months, Florida had it under control. Mostly. The Chicky Hut was the last place Carrie Carlyle wanted to be at 9 p.m. on a Thursday. She needed to be at home studying, but that was no longer an option. She had a problem, and after a series of frustrating phone calls, here she was. Unlit tiki torches and neon beer signs adorned the decrepit shanty of a bar. Carrie looked down at her clothes, running shorts and an old Save the Manatees t-shirt. Her hair was pulled back into a ponytail, the place might be a shithole, but she wasn't exactly dressed for a night on the town. The door of the bar swung open, unleashing the howls of southern rock on the unsuspecting parking lot. A shirtless man in his 60s staggered out, found the nearest palm tree, and hurled a Category 5 torrent of mojito vomit all over it. A 70-year-old woman in a bikini top and Daisy Dukes followed, screaming at him for missing their song. Maybe Carrie wasn't underdressed after all. The inside of the Chicky Hut wasn't any better. Fake parrots and real license plates lined the shelves behind the bar. There was too much wicker. Funny signs on the walls made light of alcoholism and spousal abuse. Carrie approached the bartender. I'm looking for a Brad Marlin. Is he here? Bill collector or angry girlfriend? I need an exterminator. The barkeep nodded toward a group of men at the far end of the bar. Guy in the green tank top over there. You're just in time, too. He shouldn't be completely shit-hammered for another half hour. 
Carrie headed for the group of men. Marlon was listening intently to a stocky older man with a buzz cut and a caterpillar mustache. Next to him sat a young Latino, drunkenly swaying on his bar stool. As she got closer, Carrie heard the older man's heavy lisp. I swear to God, this was the biggest goddamn wahoo you've ever seen. Nine feet at least. Bullshit, Marlon said. The stocky man raised his hand. He had large rings on his thick fingers. A tattoo of the eagle, globe, and anchor of the USMC climbed the inside of his forearm. Scout's honor, honey. Nine feet of glistening muscle. Long and shiny. Just how I like them. Shiny? Slurred the young man. Carrie stepped next to Marlin as the man dove back into his story. So I'm reeling this mighty beast in, and I need Fabian to get his ass out of the cabin and help. I'm yelling, wahoo, wahoo. Now, Fabian doesn't know a wahoo from his wazoo, so he just starts yelling too. What makes a gay man happier than yelling, wahoo, you know? Carrie seized on the pause to tap Marlin on the shoulder. Are you Brad Marlin? Marlin turned to her and was about to respond, when the stocky man took a loud slurp from his banana daiquiri. Excuse me, missy, but I'm in the middle of a story. Marlin smiled at her. You don't mess with Sparky stories. I've been holding a piss for 20 minutes. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have. Sparky scoffed and wiped at his nose. So this damn fish is a fighter, but inch by inch I am reeling him in. All I'm thinking about is how sweet this baby's gonna look mounted over my salt-sized sofa. He's almost at the surface now, and he is huge, like ten feet long. Wait, what happened to nine? Marlin asked. I said at least nine. Of course. Continue. So I'm cranking the reel, and then wham, I'm flying backwards. I knock into Fabian, and we both fall to the deck. What the hell? I had this beauty and I lost him. My rod's gone limp. Sparky took a long, slow sip from his daiquiri. Carrie looked at him. He looked at her. She felt him daring her to speak again. So I'm looking for an I'm not finished, Sparky yelled. Marlin laughed. Sparky soldiered on. So I reeled the rest of my line in and guess what stuck on the end? What? asked Marlin. Sparky slammed his hand down on the bar. The severed head of a 12-foot wahoo. Wait, what happened? What do you think happened? Something came along and chomped the body off before I could get it in the boat. And just how high were you? High as a kite, honey. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. Something's out there. I mean, you should hear the stuff I'm hearing over my ham radio. This one guy was telling me, Okay, I'm gonna stop you there, Marlin said. What'd you do with the fish head? The younger man asked. I threw that shit overboard. What am I gonna do with a nasty-ass wahoo head? Sparky turned back to Carrie. Miss, you may now have the floor. Thank you, she said. She looked at Marlin. I need an... God damn it, Marlin, the bartender interrupted. You've still got a live one out by the dock. It spit at this kid. He pointed at a crying eight-year-old in swim trunks, at a bar, on a school night. 
Marlon polished off his core's light. Whoops. He turned to Carrie. What do you need? An exterminator. Tonight. Walk me up back, he said, hopping off his stool. Carrie followed Marlon as he shuffled toward a Subaru Brat parked at the edge of the water. The bar shared a lot with the Sunshine Marina, which consisted of a tired boathouse, a narrow ramp, and a handful of dry-docked boats in various states of disrepair. So, what's going on? He asked over his shoulder. I have a chicken coop. Some of those things got inside. Did your sensors fail? I don't know. I came home and my alarms were going off. I guess that means they're working. Honestly, I just moved here from up north. I don't know the ins and outs of this stuff yet. Marlin squatted down in front of a stack of blue plastic cages stacked by a grimy outdoor slop sink. A Yankee, huh? What brings you to Lauderdale? School. I'm just starting a graduate program up at... Marlin jumped back. He pulled a bandana from his pocket and wiped at his brow. Yup, he's a spitter. Could have sworn this guy was dead. Marlin popped open the hatch of his truck and pulled out a pair of long rubber gloves. So, school, what are you studying? Marine biology. No shit. Know what could have bit the head off Sparky's Wahoo? Doesn't sound like anything I've ever read about. I knew it. Marlin walked back to the spitter. He flipped a latch and lifted the doors on the cage. Carrie moved to get a better view of a wounded chupacabra. Marlin reached in for the critter. Gotcha, dipshit. He pulled out the sucker by the scruff of its neck. Carrie cringed. What are you going to do to it? I haven't decided yet. Probably toss a blanket over it and give it a couple of whacks with a hammer. Jesus. I'm kidding. A couple squirts of juice should do it. Figured you're an animal lover, right? You could say that. He dangled the sucker in front of her. You seen one of these bad boys in the flesh before? This is my first. Well, keep your inhumane spiel to yourself, okay? I don't take any joy in killing them, but believe you me, the only good sucker is a dead one. So, this might be the point where you turn around. I can take it. Marlin reached for a spray bottle. Carrie had a change of heart. She spun to face the chicky hut. She heard the aerosol spray, a feeble whimper, and the clang of the cage door. Marlin peeled off his gloves as he walked past Carrie. Look, I'm packing it in for the day, for a second time. How about I come by in the morning? She followed him as he made his way up the delivery ramp and back into the bar. He grabbed a shrimp from a plate sitting on the kitchen pickup window and popped it in his mouth. Please, Mr. Marlin, I'm really scared to stay there tonight. Everyone else is booked. Who'd you call? He asked, weaving through the crowd. The ex-verminators. I called them and Beast Be Gone and... Those guys are all clowns. How do you even find me here? I called your office. The woman said you'd be here. Marlon hopped back on his stool and picked up the fresh cores that the bartender had just set down. That woman is my ex-wife, and she knows she's not supposed to send people here. Please, I can pay you double your rate. Marlon put down his beer. Hell, why didn't you open with that? He turned to the young man. You good to go back to work, Eduardo? Eduardo made a drunken, okay sign. Perfect. Silver bullet for the road, Marlon asked him. Yup. Marlon pointed at Carrie. Sweetheart. It's Carrie, and no thanks. Marlon called out to the bartender. Mike A, three roadies. 
I said I was all set, said Carrie. I know. Two for me, one for Eduardo. Marlon held a hand up to hide his mouth. He's a little drunk. He threw down a 20 and patted Sparky on the back. Keep my seat warm. Sparky smiled. Do you know how long I've been waiting for you to say that? The brat followed Carrie's Volkswagen Golf through the streets of Plantation, Florida. Marlin looked at the clock. 10.09 p.m. Pushing 50 and still making house calls after business hours. Why the hell was he out here? Then he remembered that the truck needed a new transmission. Eduardo's head rested against the window as he watched the endless rows of houses and palm trees through the late night gloom. Hey, thanks for coming along on this, Eddie. The last kid would have told me to fuck off. Eduardo peeled his head off the window and smiled a drunken smile. No problem, boss. I like this job, you know? Beats selling stereos. We'll make this a quick one. Ahead of them, the Gulf's right blinker blinked and the car slowed. I thought only old people lived out here, said Eduardo. You'd be surprised. Demographics shift. The community out here is chain- Jesus! Marlin slammed on the brakes. A red-headed woman in a yellow sundress stood in the middle of the road. The truck screeched to a stop just in time to avoid hitting her. The woman swatted at the brat's hood. Her ginger hair was a wild thicket. Her eyes were sunken and dark. Marlin leaned out his window. Get out of the road, you goddamn crackhead! The woman hissed. She was missing her front teeth. She turned slowly and walked down the street. She wasn't wearing any shoes. Fucking barefoot lunatic, Marlin muttered as he parked in Carrie's driveway. She was already out of her car, calling after the red-headed woman. Hey, that's my dress. Get back here. The woman just kept walking. If she heard Carrie, she certainly wasn't acting like it. I'm talking to you. Friend of yours? Marlin asked through his window. I've never seen her before. That's my new dress she's wearing. She must have pulled it off the clothesline. You want me to get it back from her? Carrie hesitated. No, it's fine. She probably needs it more than I do. She motioned to a small house surrounded by sawgrass and mangroves. A bay of intruder lights shone on the driveway. I'm this one here. She led Marlin through a side gate. Eduardo lagged behind, carrying a spray tank. As they stepped into the backyard, her motion sensor lights nearly blinded them. Marlin nodded, impressed. These HID lights are great. My grandfather put them in. This was his place until he went into a home a few weeks ago. I didn't know if they were good ones or not. They're the Cadillac of the line. I wish more people had them, but... Then I'd be out of business. Every window had security bars. The side door looked to have at least three deadbolts installed. This place is a fortress. Was he stockpiling gold bricks inside? Or just particularly sucker-phobic? With a setup like this, I'm surprised you've had problems. They moved through the yard. More lights blasted down on a rickety old chicken coop. The door hung from broken hinges. So, 
I came home tonight and heard the alarm going off. I didn't see anything inside, but then I came out back and noticed the door hanging off like that and, well, see for yourself. Marlin poked his head inside. Every surface was covered in blood and feathers. It was a massacre. Eduardo peeked over Marlin's shoulder. Holy shit. I told you it was bad, Carrie said. Eduardo pointed to a patch of trampled tall grass near the coop. Looks like it came through there, boss. The trail led to the edge of the lawn. Good eye, kid, Marlin looked at Carrie. What's beyond those shrubs? Mostly swamp, I think. Eduardo squatted to get a closer look. There's a lot of stomped down grass. Maybe there was more than one sucker? Marlin shook his head. Not likely. They're too competitive. They hunt alone. Wow, Carrie said. You mean just one of those things ate all of my chickens? I'm not even sure it was one of those things. No way a sucker would go anywhere near lights this strong. Marlin watched as Eduardo bent down and put his hands on his knees. You all right, buddy? Gonna throw up? No, there's some fresh tracks here. Looks like human feet. Barefoot. Like a woman's? I wasn't barefoot tonight, Carrie said. But that crackhead who stole your dress was, Marlin said. These are her prints, two different things. Let's not get them confused. Eduardo pumped his fists. You're like CSI, bro. The cops were stupid to fire you. Marlin shot Eduardo a dirty look. I quit the cops. Embarrassed by his outburst, Marlin glanced at Carrie. Wasn't my thing. Too much paperwork. I get it she said. So, have you had a lot of problems with crackheads? This isn't exactly their neighborhood. No, I've just seen the one. Uh, do we have to call her a crackhead? Sorry, crack lady, Marlin grinned. So, you want to show me the place? Inside? Sure. Eddie, you okay to do a perimeter search? Follow the trampled grass. Let me know what you find. Eduardo gave him a drunken salute. Aye, aye, jefe. Hello, friend. This is Neil Helligers, host of Adrenaline Realms Thriller Channel, and I'm here to talk to you a little bit more about the Greenlight app. And this message is, of course, sponsored by Greenlight, but I was using, our family was using the Greenlight app uh, even before the first ad in a wonderful, thrilling, cosmic coincidence, right? See what I did there? So again, to catch you up, Greenlight is a debit card and a money app that's made for families. Basically, the way it works is that parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving. And you can see exactly how much money they have in their account. And there's different ways to give them money. What we've been doing is on a, like a weekly allowance, a certain amount that goes into his account every week. So in order to further the conversation about money and about earning, uh, we're using Greenlight as a kind of a foundation for that conversation. Uh, in other words, instead of just the allowance he gets for certain base things that he's expected to do around the house, uh, we are also adding the chore feature, which is certain one-time payments for certain one-time jobs. For example, in our house, we're trying to encourage our son to start walking the dog more. He's old enough for it, he's responsible enough for it, and he's done it enough that he knows what to do. So he can really see that for all those extra times that he steps up and does the dog walk, he gets rewarded for that job well done. 
And this is the conversation in life. When you work a little extra harder, you get a little extra compensation and you can either save that up or spend it how you like. And we're not alone in this. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's a very easy and very convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and for families to navigate life together. So sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash adrenaline. That's greenlight.com slash adrenaline to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash adrenaline slash 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 slash. So thrilling, right? On a remote island in Frigid Lake Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Cool model. Marlin said, looking at a replica of the USS Hazelwood that sat on a sideboard in Carrie's front hall. Yours? My grandfather's. He was obsessed with that stuff. Marlin continued down the hall, carrying his maglite-mounted super soaker and a ski pole. Were you still with the police when the chupacabras started showing up? She asked. Nah, I was done with the force way before that. Took over this business from my dad. I'd been killing roaches and rats for ten years before that boat crashed. He opened the closet door and poked inside with the ski pole. It's just so scary to think they're out there, she said. Eh, we manage. Everyone thought the world was coming to an end at first. But then it turned out the suckers were more like a nasty rodent. The scientists all left to go look into climate change or whatever. Left the chupacabras to guys like me. Marlin opened the door to Carrie's grandfather's office. Wow, someone's a hoarder. The desk was obscured by a mountain of footlockers and cardboard boxes. Steel bars covered the windows. A desktop magnifier sat on top of a large shelf surrounded by Korean War-era paraphernalia, medals, field manuals, models of boats and airplanes. But everything was dwarfed by the endless boxes. Yeah, I know. Once I'm in the swing of things with school, I'm going to go through all of his stuff. Sure you are, he said, walking over to inspect a collection of bingo cards taped to the wall. Wow, he was awfully good at bingo. I guess. Carrie hated having someone snooping around in the house. She watched him roll onto the floor and check under the bed. To be honest, I was nervous about coming down here, Carrie said. But I had to move where the dolphins were. And I'll admit, I'm curious about a whole new classification of mammal. Marlin poked behind some boxes. I can tell you some stories. The worst was back in 2013 when they really started to spread. Yeah, I saw it on TV. The chupacabras were all boning like crazy back then. Actually, so was I. You know how they say humans and chimps are the only animals that copulate for fun? Add suckers to that list. They have wild sex. You don't say. I've seen them doing oral. Yeah, so it doesn't look like they've been in the house, huh? All kinds of oral. You'd think they'd be shy about it because of the teeth, but no. They just go right to town on each other. And it's not just the girls with the guys. The guys will repay the favor, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Maybe they aren't that bad after all, right? He laughed. 
Carrie looked down at her feet. God damn it. I went too far, huh? I had a woman write a pretty nasty Yelp review all about how crude I was. It's fine, really. Anyways, you're all clear. Doesn't look like they've been in the house. I'm still not convinced it was a chupacar- A blood-curdling scream interrupted him. Eddie! Marlin yelled. Marlin burst into the backyard, super soaker in hand. Carrie ran out after him. Stay inside, he shouted. She didn't listen. He scanned the yard. No sign of Eduardo. A fierce snarl cut through the night. What was that? She asked. No idea. I'm coming with you. Marlin knew he shouldn't take a client out here with him. If he had insurance, it certainly wouldn't cover this. But he didn't have time to argue. He took a flashlight off his belt and handed it to her. Stay behind me, he said. She powered on the light. They waded through the bushes at the edge of the yard, beams of light scanning the marshland. Eduardo! They stepped into a clearing. The swamp stretched out before them. They heard a splash in the distance. Marlin stepped to his right. Carrie turned left. Stay with me, damn it, Marlin said. If he's hurt, we'll find him quicker if we split up. She had a point. He walked the perimeter of the water. He called out for Eduardo again. Silence. He walked farther. He looked back and saw Carrie's beam scanning the other side of the swamp. Her light flickered out. You okay? He called. My light's dead. Damn it. Hold on, I'm coming to you. He started running when Carrie's scream pierced the darkness. Marlin! He started sprinting. I'm coming! His flashlight found Carrie on her knees, covered in blood. Eduardo's body lay beside her, torn to shreds. Big chunks of flesh were missing from his torso. Blood and organs mingled with the swamp water. His face was frozen in a rictus of terror. Carrie's backyard was a police scene. Yellow tape, big xenon lights up high on stands, and dozens of uniformed officers who kept asking her if she wanted to go inside, if she wanted a coffee, if she wanted a blanket. Really, she just wanted to know what the hell killed Eduardo. She and Marlon stood by the chicken coop. A sheriff in his 60s with a big walrus mustache and a badge that said, Atkins, asked them questions, while a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed cop named Piper took notes. Are you sure you don't want to go inside, Miss Carlyle? Atkins asked. Again with this question. I'd like to know what's going on. It's my house. Suit yourself, Atkins said, turning to Marlin. And you say he wasn't teasing or taunting him or anything? No, Marlin said. He was just doing a perimeter check. Did he generally know what he was doing in that sort of situation? He was one of the best assistants I've ever had. He wouldn't have done anything stupid. Well, he must have done something to rub it the wrong way. Piper, mark this down as a particularly vicious chupacabra attack. Piper scratched into his steno pad. I'm telling you, Sheriff, Marlin said, this wasn't a sucker. Oh, Jesus. What else could it have been? Could have been a gator. It's all swamp back here. It's not a gator. The bite marks are too small. 
Well, what about a baby gator? What? A baby alligator. Smaller mouths. Piper piped in. He's right. Baby alligators do have smaller mouths than regular-sized alligators. Thanks for your input, Ranger Rick, Atkins said. So, Marlin, if we could recap. You're telling me this kid was damn good at his job, but a baby gator took him down? Okay, maybe not. Could have been a, like an escaped zoo animal? Hmm, that's good. Maybe a tiger? Piper, cross out chupacabra. Put down tiger. Wait, baby tiger. Piper updated his notes. Don't actually write that, Adkins snapped. Sorry, sir, Marlin said. Look, I'm trying to start a dialogue here, fellas. Those aren't sucker bites, and you know it. Adkins chuckled and turned to Piper. Do they still tell stories about my pal Marlin at the academy? I don't think so, sir. Marlin's cheeks turned hot. Adkins continued. Marlin here only lasted one day on the police force. I think that's enough, Marlin said. What happened? Piper asked Atkins. There wasn't anything we could do for him. He shot himself in the foot. How so? No, he literally shot himself in the foot. First day on the job. The man's a walking metaphor. Oh, shit. This is that guy? Piper laughed. Marlin glanced at Carrie. She offered him a weak smile. Okay, I get it, Marlin said. I'm just trying to tell you what I thought happened. I'm a material witness after all. Why don't you sit your little chupacabra traps and leave the real police work to us, all right? Marlin skulked off toward the house. Carrie caught Atkins rolling his eyes to Piper. He's just trying to help, you know, she said. We don't need his help, miss. Why don't you go inside? Hi, yes, I was calling to see if you had any rooms available tonight, Carrie said into the phone. You do? Oh my God, thank you. I was starting to think I wouldn't find anything this late. How much is it? It was more than she was hoping, but she had no other options. She booked the room as she looked out the window into her backyard. She could see the police outside, instructing the stringers from the local news to stay behind the yellow tape. Fantastic. It was only a matter of time before the network news vans showed up. Carrie thanked the hotel clerk and hung up. She found Marlin sitting at her kitchen island, nibbling at a hangnail. Eduardo wouldn't have gotten himself killed by a sucker, he said. I trained him too well for that. Carrie sat down next to him. Don't take this the wrong way, but he was pretty drunk, wasn't he? Listen, I've seen him empty entire sucker dens while he was shit-pickled on my ties. It wasn't the booze. That kid was damn good at this job. I'm so sorry. Are you all right? This is just so awful. I've lost partners before. It comes with the territory. Sheriff Atkins walked into the kitchen holding up a plastic evidence bag. One of our men just found this. Does it look familiar? Inside the bag were tattered remnants of yellow fabric. That's my dress, Carrie said. The one that... Streetwoman stole. The who? Adkins asked. The streetwoman. Oh, the crackhead you told us about. Carrie sighed. Yes. We found it out by the swamp. It's in pretty bad shape. 
Oh, no. Do you think it got hurt, too? That's what's strange. There's no blood at all on the dress. It's ripped apart at the seams. But you'd think there'd be something on it if there was any kind of attack. So what are you saying? Carrie asked. I'm saying that maybe some chupacabras pulled it off the clothesline and shredded it. Marlin stood up. No way. A sucker would never do anything like that. And she just told you that we saw the crackhead wearing it. Could be that the crackhead had the same dress. Adkins said. He turned to Carrie. No offense. No, none taken. Well, I'll have the boys keep a lookout for a naked woman. They'll love that. Miss Carlyle, do you have a friend's place you can stay at tonight? I don't know anyone here, but I found a room at the Orange Blossom Inn. You don't want to stay there, Marlin said. It's Bedbug Central. I can't tell you how many calls I had there back in the day. The place is truly filthy. You really don't want to stay there. I'll take my chances. They were the only hotel available that I could afford. Well, you can stay with me if you want. I've got a second bedroom. Carrie looked to Sheriff Adkins. Marlin's an idiot, but he's a decent man. Might take a drunken pass at you, but he knows he doesn't have a shot. Marlin turned bright red. He's joking, Sheriff. Why'd you say? I, I just mean it's safer at my place. No need for inappropriate jokes. Plus, she's not even my type. Carrie felt supremely uncomfortable, but she did need a place to stay. She also wasn't sure Marlin should spend the night alone. It's not too much trouble. I really don't want to impose. No trouble at all. Stay with me tonight, and we'll come back here in the morning to check the traps. After you find chupacabras in them, will you come by the station? Adkins asked. I want to say I told you so to your face. Right. And I want to tell you to your face when I find out it was actually a... Uh, some kind of... Adkins grinned. Go on. Maybe it's something we haven't seen before, Marlin said. We don't know everything that lives in these swamps. You think we've got our own Loch Ness Monster, huh? Something like that. Baby or regular-sized. Marlin's home was a pigsty. Old pizza boxes, beer cans everywhere, dishes stacked in the sink. Every bone in Carrie's body wished she was at the Orange Blossom Inn. Bedbugs she could deal with. This place looked like it was going to give her a staph infection. Sorry, it's a bit of a mess. The maid comes on Thursdays. It is Thursday. I gotta fire that damn maid. Carrie was unsure whether or not she was supposed to laugh. I'm joking, Marlin said. There's no maid. I've just been busy. You want a beer? No, thanks. I'm pretty exhausted. Okay, the second bedroom is right here. He led her down a hallway. She looked into the spare room. There was a bare, filthy mattress on the floor. Carrie tried to hide her disgust. Do you maybe have any extra sheets? Shit, I pulled them off a couple of weeks ago. I had to change the ones on my bed out. This girl was over, and she was a real... It's fine. I really appreciate you letting me stay here. Okay, well, maybe I can find you some clean towels to sleep on. That would be great. You need anything else? I think I'll be okay, but thanks. And you're sure you don't want a beer? Want to watch some TV or a movie or something? This was getting excruciating. 
Carrie yawned for effect. I'm really tired. I'm sorry. I should really hit the hay. Gotcha. Loud and clear. Good night. I'll see you in the morning. Good night, Brad, she said. God damn it, Marlon. Why do you have to be such an idiot? Poor girl just wanted to get to sleep. A good man got murdered at her place tonight. A man you were supposed to be looking out for. She didn't want to stay up all night hanging out with a washed up loser. Marlon grabbed a beer and a Bartles and James from the mini fridge next to his recliner. He downed the can of brew and took a pop at the wine cooler. He stared into space for a few minutes. Then he cracked another beer. Carrie jolted awake. It took her a minute to remember where she was. She felt the coarse beach towel that was her blanket. Through the paper-thin walls, she heard a whimpering sound, a high-pitched wheeze, like an animal gasping for air. Was there something in the house? Could it be a chupacabra? The whimpering continued. Carrie walked out into the hallway. The television flickered from the living room. She tiptoed around the corner to see what the source of the sound was. It wasn't a chupacabra. It was Marlin. Snot dripped from his nose. Tears streamed down his face. He sat in his recliner, ugly crying. Carrie and Marlin locked eyes. It's... I'm not... Marlin stammered. It's okay, Carrie whispered. She spun around and shuffled back to the spare room. Around 9 a.m., Carrie woke up to the smell of breakfast. She walked down the hall and found a shirtless Marlin standing over the stove, frying up some bacon and scrambling eggs. He took a swig from a quart of OJ. Good morning, Carrie said, praying that Marlin wouldn't bring up their late night encounter. Sorry you had to see that last night. It's totally fine. You just lost a friend. That was just, I think I had too much to drink. Completely understandable. Don't tell anyone, okay? Please? Of course, Carrie said, not sure who she would even tell. She wanted to put that whole night behind her as soon as possible. So what do you think about tagging along with me today? I'm down a partner. I... I think I'd better get home. I have a lot of schoolwork. Okay, okay. I'll take you back. I just have a stop I need to make. It's on the way, I swear. But first, eggs a la marlin. What are those? Scrambled eggs. She checked her watch. Three hours later, after she'd waited for Marlin to shower, listened to him attempt a couple foreigner songs on an out-of-tune guitar, and stopped at a McDonald's for a second breakfast, where Marlin got into a shouting match with a guy named Hambone, they finally pulled up at the stop Marlin had needed to make. They walked past a sea of plastic flamingos and onto the porch of a pastel blue home. Marlon knocked at the door. No answer. He turned the knob and walked in. A statue of the Virgin Mary dominated the apple green living room. A zebra-striped couch sat across from a humongous TV. The sounds of a Spanish-language morning news show filled the house. Vicky? Marlon asked the empty living room. Hold on. 
A woman's voice called out from down the hall. I'll be right there. She'll be right here, Marlon relayed to Carrie. I heard. Vicky Velasquez entered the room with a flourish. Mid-forties, her gargantuan curves were barely masked by an oversized pro-wrestling t-shirt. She eyed Carrie. Vicky, Carrie, Carrie, Vicky, Marlon said. Carrie had that chicken coop problem. Vicky eyed Carrie like she had no idea what Marlon was talking about. We spoke on the phone last night, Carrie said. You told me to go to the chicky hut. Vicky shot daggers with her eyes at Carrie. Did you sleep with my husband? Marlon stepped forward. Baby, she's just a, how dare you bring her here? Carrie turned to Marlon, panicked. What? No, I didn't sleep with him. You whore, Vicky screamed. You dirty, filthy whore. Vicky grabbed a vase and wound up to throw it. You don't understand. I just stayed there because... Vicky broke into a brilliant smile. Honey, I'm fucking with you. I don't give a crap who this idiot sleeps with. And if I cared who Vicky slept with, Marlon said, I'd have to kill half of Broward County. Oh, please. Marlon and Vicky doubled over laughing. I still didn't sleep with him, Carrie said. Don't care if you did. Well, I didn't. Vicky shrugged. Go easy on her, Vic, Marlon said. We've both had a rough night. Shit, Bubbles, Vicky said. I'm so sorry about Eduardo. She pulled him in for a big, squishy hug. It's okay. It's not okay. I know how much you liked him. It's fine, really. He was drunk and should have been more careful. He trailed off. Vicky broke from the hug and looked at Carrie. He's not just an exterminator. He's also the Terminator. Has no emotions. Yeah, yeah, Marlin said. What's on the docket for today? Nothing. Nothing? The attack was all over the news. Critter County Pest Control employee killed by Chupacabra. It's bad for business. Today's customers called and canceled. All of them? All of both of. It's the same thing. Shit, Marlin said. Well, I guess I'm going to go get drunk. Anyone care to join me? Bubbles, use a day off, huh? Process the Eduardo feelings. Like I said, anyone want to go get drunk? Carrie glanced up at the TV and saw a familiar face. That's her. Who? Vicky asked. On the TV, the screen was filled with a photograph of a pretty young redhead. The word desaparecida was spelled out below her image. That's the girl we saw last night. The crackhead? Marlon asked. Oh, she's no crackhead, Vicky said. She's not? Don't you know anything, Bobbles? Do you ever watch the news? He shook his head. You know that asshole Henry Matheson? Yeah, the shipping guy, Marlin said. He turned to Carrie. He's been robbing Port Everglades blind for years. Massive fucking asshole. That's his daughter, Olivia Matheson. Sweet girl. She's been missing for two weeks. Everyone's looking for her. Marlon walked closer to the TV screen. Could be her, but that girl we saw last night looked like she'd been on the street for months. What are they saying now? Vicky listened to the news anchor and translated. They're talking about how good she was. Honor student, runs a drug rehabilitation center. She's the opposite of those other celebrity brats. It's very sad. Carrie, you're sure it was her. 
She was missing a couple teeth, but I'm certain it was her. Well, this is a new wrinkle, Marlin said. What does it mean? Carrie asked. I'm not sure it means anything, but it's really weird. Nothing here is adding up. Eduardo got killed by something that I'm fucking positive wasn't a chupacabra. This crackhead's dress turns up in your yard after we saw her wearing it out front five minutes earlier. Now it turns out that the crackhead isn't a crackhead, but she's some missing goody two-shoes? This is all fucked. Something's out there, man. The chupacabras were just the beginning. I've been saying that for years. The other shoe was bound to drop, and this is it. What are you going to do? Marlin shrugged. Nothing, probably. A grubby back alley in Dillard Park. The husk of a water-damaged recliner sat alongside a long-abandoned pickup truck. Empty dime bags littered the ground. Something rustled from beneath the truck. A chupacabra limped out into the alley. It was a nasty little bastard with greasy, matted fur. It looked like it hadn't eaten in weeks. A trash can toppled onto its side, spilling garbage across the pavement as the lid spun away. The sucker spotted the culprit. A white Persian cat, with an ID tag reading Precious, strutted out of the overturned receptacle. She pawed a fast food container away from the rest of the rubbish. The sucker crept out from under the truck and snaked its way toward its prey, staying tight to the shadows. Precious nibbled on a hamburger bun, oblivious to the glowing red eyes lurking behind her. A truck chugged by on the main road. The cat turned toward the noise. The chupacabra flattened itself to the ground and shut its eyes. Precious returned to her meal. The sucker inched up behind her. Nearly in striking range, it licked its lips and bared hideous teeth. The barbs on its spine stood up as it coiled back on its hind legs, ready to attack. A massive lizard tail smashed into the chupacabra, sending it flying into the side of the neglected pickup truck. The sucker let out an ear-splitting shriek. An enormous lizard hand, green and scaly and oddly humanoid, snatched the chupacabra up off the ground. Fingers like talons squeezed the sucker's skull. Its body convulsed. Bone crunched against bone as the tiny beast went limp. Precious tore down the alley as fast as her little legs would carry her. Okay, so we are off. Um, I love that line in there about strange scratches on palm trees. To me, that just captures the universe of lowlife so cleanly. Uh, And that actually takes me to the theory that I was talking about before. Um, You may have heard the term speculative fiction, right? It's where uh, the story takes place in a world that is simply not our own, right? And uh, in lowlife, where chupacabras are just, they're just real, um, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot going on in Florida, of course, but I feel like we would have heard about this 
one if this was a, a real thing. So my theory is uh, all the different shows that we've been with together so far, The Triangle, Outliers, uh, Memory Lane, and certainly Overleaper, where we're literally going between parallel universes, are all different forms of speculative fiction, but we are on the ride, and that's what makes it a thriller, right? It's not just, oh, look, isn't this interesting? We are, we are engaged viscerally with what's happening through the eyes of these wonderful characters, and particularly with Adrenaline on Realm through the voices of the actors' performances, not to mention the excellent full production. And we are there, and we are just waiting to see what crazy thing will happen next. Like, what the heck killed Eduardo? We're gonna have to find out. So I will see you next time for episode two of Low Life. My name is Neil Helligers. This is Adrenaline, and I will see you then. Look out behind you. You're listening to Adrenaline Low Life. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you, and let's make season two even more memorable together. Low Life is created and written by Steve Marcarelli and Billy Lawler. Produced by Marco Palmieri. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Julian Yap. Audio produced by Amanda Rose Smith. Performed by Nick Sullivan and Eleanor Cottle. Sound design and editing by Kaylin West. Theme music by Amanda Rose Smith with guitar by Kaylin West. Cover art by Marco Cousins. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Osadolahi. Adrenaline is produced by Mary Osadolahi and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Nicole Kreuter and Alexis Ladshaw. Executive produced by Molly Barton, Julian Yap, and Marcy Wiseman. Hosted by Neil Helligers. Audio editing by Angela Yi. Original theme by Marcus Bagala. Cover art by Kendall Thomas. Find more shows like Adrenaline by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm. <laughs>